Hey, coconuts. Yes, I know you know that I'm no longer in Singapore and a lot of you are super excited for me. You have DM'd me, talked to me on Telegram, Instagram, what have you. Ask me all sorts of questions, give me your greetings. And I decided that, you know, why not I put together some of these common questions because I think those are good questions. And I do believe that a lot of us are entertaining this idea that, you know, maybe I could live elsewhere for a while. So with that in mind, there are some common questions and common insecurities and common hurdles that a lot of us will have to jump through before we muscle up the kind of courage to quote-unquote leave Singapore for a while. At least to, you know, spend a year or two elsewhere in a slower pace to reimagine life, realign ourselves and come together to know, hey, maybe this is the kind of life that I want, right? So a lot of questions, a lot of things to share with you. Uh, I'm going to focus on three questions to ask yourself before you leap out of Singapore. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fit our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, I'm going to spend some time to talk about the three questions you should ask yourself before you leap out of Singapore. Okay, I know there are a lot of things to ask, a lot of things to clarify, a lot of small little little things that uh, you guys have asked me and I will uh, work through all the little pointers as we go along in today's discussion but all act within the three main questions uh, that I've kind of consolidated as a basis to kind of ask ourselves, right? Like what do we want? Why do we want to leave? And in the process of going out there, what do we uh, hope to achieve and how is life going to be out there? Like, I especially recognize the kind of anxiety after staying in the island for a while, right? So for all of you that are stuck in Singapore during this whole pandemic, you've not gone out, you've not done all the whatever stuff that you want to do. It is hard. It is hard to leave and, and all that. And it's especially hard for a lot of people that do not have friends around them that are more well-traveled and more explorational, right? So there are, there are some people with uh, friends all around you that, you know, uh, migrate to Canada, la, live in the US, or study in the UK, la, some working in China, some of them living in Bangkok, and then they kind of move around in and out. So you, you find it like, oh, okay, I yeah, know life can be like that. There are more possibilities and more dynamic choices, right? And you don't feel alone in this process, right? So that is, I would say a lot of the more privileged kids, like, you know, people that go to good school, come from good families, scholars and, and whatever you, right? So that is that bunch of people. But there are also, in this whole process, I'm sure a lot of people have accumulated some wealth, you know, just even though they're from the working class, got a decent career, they accumulated some wealth. And now, these bunch of people, the new newer millennials that have kind of gathered a little bit of money, start to question the narrative and want to explore out there but don't really have a lot of friends to kind of model around and all of you start to ask questions, right? <laughs> so uh, today I'm going to try my very best to give you some good thoughts. 
Okay, so I think there are a lot of angles to go about pursuing this question of how to leap out of Singapore, especially where a lot of people, you know, Singaporeans being Singaporeans, they don't want to have any form of sacrifice, right? Everything is a plus. It must add, add, add. You know? Everything is a plus and <laughs> it becomes like, you know what, if I lose on this, I lose on that, and then like, uh, what do you gain out on the other side, right? So those are some questions that we will talk about as we chug along on today's topic. But before we begin on today's topic, I want to challenge a little bit of the narrative in Singapore. Why? Why? Okay. So I'm going to challenge the nation's narrative, not in the sense of trying to be a radical, but to help us better understand where does Singapore's sit in this global order? How are we as a nation actually? And from there, I think we find more comfort in trying to recognize uh, the kind of future that we can live and all that jazz, right? So it may be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you, but I'm going to just share this idea that for the longest time, people think we fishing village from nothing becomes something, right? I think that is false. Jeng Jeng. <laughs> I think this is important. Give me a little bit more time on this, okay? So you must understand first, okay, I, th- I know we can go super, super, like long time ago, but let, let us just start with uh, colonization. So you must first understand the motive of colonization. The Portuguese were the first bunch of people that tried to colonize the world. And of course, they tried to colonize the world because why? They were struggling in Portugal itself, right? So the Europeans were fighting and all that jazz. They, they actually lost to the Muslims for a very long period of time. Yeah? So that, that's a story for another day. But the Portuguese went out to try to conquer other lands so that they can grow. Because within their own land, they were struggling. So after that, everyone else kind of followed suit. The central idea is all of them went out not to nation build. Okay, remember this, uh, they go out of their mainland, not to nation build, they go out of their mainland to conquer resources to bring back to their own nation for whatever incentive structure. So when they come into this part of the world, the Indonesian or the Malayan archipelago, this part of the world was already the spice hub. You know, it was called the Spice Islands for a long time. In other words, we were trading spices with all around the world. Like this area was producing a lot of spices and was shipping out to all these different parts of the world already. And of course, the Arab traders were famous since then. And um, the Chinese actually came in much later as coolies because they were struggling in China mainland. But okay, those are history. Uh, and history is a little bit interesting because he say, you say, he, you know, who, who, who is right, right? But you just look at incentive system, right? First is colonization. Their goal was not nation built. They came here to monopolize and control certain trade routes to bring back to their own place. In other words, Singapore was already wealthy. Well, I scared I get puff pass, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just gonna look at some history books. You know, they will talk about it. Read some of the post-colonial ideas, okay? So Singapore was already wealthy. We already was a part of the world. So for the longest time, we have been a part. Okay, and this is what is interesting. For the longest time, we have been a part. People come here to trade. People didn't stay here. Not a lot of people stayed here. Okay, so all your Malaya, the traders, they will live in the Ipoh, live in Malacca, live in wherever they live in. They come here to trade for one to two weeks. After that, they leave, they go back to their hometown. Okay, this has been like that since forever. Only really after the whole independence situation where we start to segregate ourselves, right? Where we build up this uh, customs and freedom of movement was controlled. And then it became like, oh, you got to apply for a visa, apply for a work permit. You know, they control a lot of these things in and out. Um, that it became 
like we have more and more native population. Now, of course, the Singapore government, in order to grow itself as an independent nation, tried very hard to bring in all these people and, and you know, kind of incentivize or force or whatever you want to put it, um, a lot of Malaysians and people within the region to become natives of Singapore and take on a Singapore identity. Important, huh? why I go through two minutes, three minutes of this thing is to understand the natural order of how life was like in the past before we became a nation. So this becomes an important anchor of how you should look at Singapore, how Singapore has and always been a part of the global order. Okay, we have always been a port. We shouldn't romanticize how much more amazing we are and blah, blah, blah. We are just fundamentally a port in the global order. So because we are a port in the global order, I do think a lot of us, you know, we, we should move around and kind of see what's out there and leverage on our country as a port, as a hub, as a place to commerce, to transact, to kind of do a lot of interesting things rather than a place to live, okay? So this is my personal view. You don't need to take it. But I believe that if you're listening all the way until here, you're kind of thinking of like, yeah, maybe there's a different way to live as a Singaporean. And I do think so, okay? So which is why I'm going to share with you some pointers to help you leap out of Singapore. I'm not saying that you definitely need to migrate outwards. Huh? Singapore has its own perks, has its own problems as with anywhere, okay? But I'm not discounting the perks nor the problems. But I think for a lot of us that are thinking of living elsewhere for a while to explore life elsewhere, this is a good basis to first understand Singapore as a nation. Where are we? Where were we? And where is our global order? Okay, and how can we do better uh, for ourselves and for the nation? Okay, so understand this part. Now I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself how to leap out of Singapore, okay? Or find comfort that you can leap out of Singapore, okay? First question that I think you should ask yourself while planning your leap out of Singapore, whether it's long-term, short-term, yeah? First question is, will you be recreating your life elsewhere? Answer is yes. Very likely, very, very likely. I know a lot of times when we are trying to... Um, live elsewhere, whether is it uh, Bangkok or whether is it Malaysia or whether is it, you know, the UK, Taiwan, wherever you want, right? So the beauty is we even have options. Huh? So quite cool that way, okay, because our visa strength is there. You know, we can move around. It's much easier. Our passport strength is there. A lot of times when people think of all this, right, they will, they will romanticize, you know, like life. Wow, so much more possibilities out there. The truth is, yes, there are a lot of possibilities out there. Maybe more permutation than what you can get or afford in the very expensive land of Singapore, okay? But what is the likelihood? The likelihood is you will revert to your familiarity of life, right? So in other words, Singaporeans' lives, uh, every Singaporean's life revolve around a small living space, <laughs> public transport, uh, the public pool, public health facilities, and, you know, Sounds a bit sad huh? after I, I name it Kopitiam downstairs, you know, the bar at night sometimes. So you will very much revert to your way of life. Okay, I, I'm not saying you definitely will, but I'm trying to give you comfort in this reality that you are very much going to be creating your life that you're familiar with in this other place. Because that's my personal experience and I've talked to a lot of people. I know this is a lot of their experience. Right? As much as we will sneak in more stuff, like maybe our weekend hangout is no longer just, you know, hang out at Botanic Garden. We go climb mountains, yes. 
maybe the hangout with the friends will no longer just be drinks, like we'll make dumpling together. You know, so there's some of these changes, but the general form should be pretty much the same. In other words, what should you look at, right? In other words, when you're costing your life or you're costing your life in a potential new place, you really don't need to care about the overall living cost index, all right? Because a lot of people will search, but oh, this place is very expensive, very expensive, very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these places are very expensive, you know, or maybe all these places are very cheap, very cheap, very cheap. Yeah, very cheap, very cheap, whatever. But that kind of costing index, more often than not, a lot of the information online, more often than not, are catered to the Westerners, catered to the Europeans, catered to the Americans. They have a certain way of life, especially the Americans, they're very unique one. The moment you see them out there, you know, wow, this guy American, right? So, so they have a certain way of life and they have a certain costing structure, like eating out at the restaurants, you know, the kind of tax and, and all those additional things that is very built for their life. And all your cost living index and all that is very much for the Americans. Don't need to read into those things. Just go to Airbnb and search apartment pricing. <laughs> How much will it cost? And average out the size of the apartment that you'll be used to. If now you live with your family or you live in a small rental apartment, you will more or less you know, appreciate two times more that size. When I was living in KL, to be honest, um, I had two, it's a two-bedroom apartment. I, I had so much space, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I had to think like, mm, maybe I should make this space into something else. That's why I had the extra room at Alisa or Airbnb. <laughs> so you will pretty much go for what you're familiar with, right? And that is a good basis to understand, okay? So that will be costing for your rent. As for food, just look for groceries if you cook a lot. Gym, look for gym prices. What I'm saying is not telling you how to live, but telling you that you just need to recreate your life in another location. Very likely that's the situation and you don't need to mesmerize over all those kind of cost index, you know, blah, 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 blah. Just go and search for the exact prices and that will be your costing. So if you're planning to uh, live abroad for a while, try a three months, six months, one year situation, then you just cost accordingly, right? And, and you realize it's actually not very expensive. Honestly, it's not very expensive. You know, a few thousand dollars to go and experience a different way of life for an extended period of time in a different location, I think it's worth it, right? So it, it does not actually set back your financial plan. So yeah, that's the first thing you should ask yourself when preparing to leap out of Singapore. Are you going to recreate your life elsewhere? Chances are you are. So because you are, um, all the online information, a little bit wonky. Okay, that's my personal experience, I can tell you, because it's targeted at Angmo, not targeted at you. Okay, so <laughs> I think that's the situation for a lot of us. Which brings me to question number two, and the question is, what are you really losing out on? Okay, it's hard. Uh, this question will be hard. And I'll come back to you after a word from our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, this question is complex, okay? On a few levels, there are a few things to unpack, okay? First thing is, what is your natural trajectory? 
Like, you know, given in your life in Singapore, what is your natural trajectory? The narrative is you're going to work a job, get promoted, you know, move up the, the career path, buy a house, settle down, blah, 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 right? Which I don't think we should hate it. Although I clearly am not a big fan. You know, you can hear it from my voice. <laughs> but, but it is what it is. You can choose to play the game. It's not a problem. Right, but it is what it is. So what are you really losing out on? That's a big question mark, right? And some people say, oh, you know, uh, what, what if uh, I get my house later? It's like, are you even attached now? <laughs> if you're attached now, then okay, you get a house now. But if you're not, then then what's, what's, what's stopping you from just going out there and just kind of find your partner maybe in elsewhere and, and what have you? And if your partner is as adventurous as you, then why not just go and uh, live elsewhere for a little bit of time to get to know each other better and kind of figure out the, what do we really want, right? So I, I don't think there's a lot to lose uh, <laughs> in terms of like, oh, you know what? If we get a HDB flat later, like really HDB flat, why are you so excited about it? It's just a box, okay? So <laughs> well, later I get cancelled, so I'm very stressed. Uh, but, but yeah, I, 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 I'm personally... Okay, I'm not a big fan of HDB flats. You know, but okay, but I must say, I must say, uh, the Pongo living estate is getting nicer. The newer Pongo near the Coney Island is living is looking nicer. Tengah is looking nicer. So I like the HDBs doing initiatives to make it nicer. But like I said, for the longest time, Singapore has always been a transient port, a hub. Right for business, for commerce, and a lot of people live in other parts of the other parts of the Malayan archipelago, right? And I think that is something that we can all think about, you know, as we as we move along down this path. Okay, so what, what are you really losing out on? Back to the question: seventeen percent CPF contribution because your boss is no longer contributing to your CPF. Is that the is that one of the major concerns that people have when thinking of like leaving Singapore for a while? Let me give you some brutal reality, yeah. As an as a employer myself, I never ever see CPF contribution as my part contributing to your salary. I've always seen it as this is your salary. This is part of your salary. So the 17% CPF contribution from me as an employer is your salary. It's not my contribution to you. So I factor the whole thing. If I pay you 5k for all after all the contribution together, you cost me 5k on my balance sheet. And that's all I care about as an employer. And I tell you that's what a lot of people care about. Okay, a lot of capitalists, a lot of employers, uh, businessmen, and it's not about being like oh so evil. So, but it's not. It's not. Don't 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 evilize anything. Okay, but it is just the reality. When I calculate my finances, that is how I see it. So while the narrative is oh you contribute twenty percent to CPF, your employer contributes seventeen percent to CPF. I know it's a bit hard. I know I may get puffed but I think. It's really the whole thing is your contribution. <laughs> the whole thing is your contribution. The whole thing when I see it, right? As an employer, I just see it as this is your salary. I will not factor it differently in, in, in all honesty, in my view. Okay, so as an employer, um, <laughs> or maybe before that you never take CPF, after that you start to take CPF for whatever reason from me, that means I got to give the 17%. I will not see it as, you know, this is me giving, I'll see it as me giving you a pay raise. Okay, this is this is honest view. Okay, in my in in as an employer's point of view, yeah. Um, so I think that's something that we need to recognize, right? So so when we when we look at our jobs, when we look at how we how we plan our career and and all that, I think this is a reality that a lot of people need to kind of wake up to, right? Um, are you really losing out on it, or has this always just been a part of your salary? <laughs> So this is something to 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 think about, okay?
Yeah, so I, I think that is important. And also these days, I think a lot of companies are more open to transfers, sabbatical, you know, reduced roles and, and all that. So as long as your long-term kind of plan is intact, then what are you really losing out on? When I tell my friends, my friends ask me, oh, you know, you're not scared ah, later, next time ah, your CPF not big enough. I'm like, girl, I have enough money to pay down payment. I don't need CPF. If I really come back and, you know, I want to get a HDB, uh, I, I have the cash to just pay cash. I don't really need to, you know, be concerned or if I have CPF and blah, blah, blah. This, this, that thing don't matter to me. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like, oh, CPF is evil, blah, blah. No, CPF is a state fund to take care of the people, etc, etc. But if I'm not plugged into the system, then I, I don't really need to, you know, uh, care about how the system affects me as much, right? Of course, nowadays, I'm contributing CPF, huh? guys just saying. <laughs> yeah, company paying me money now, so I got to contribute CPF. But yes, um, whatever it is, I think what is important is you got to ask yourself, what is your probability of meeting the narrative? If your probability of meeting the Singapore's narrative is like 95% or like 100%, because I think most people will meet the narrative. Okay, most people that are listening to the podcast will readily meet the narrative, getting a job, getting a HDB, settle down, blah, blah, blah. It's not that difficult if you are plugged into the system, Okay. So if your probability of hitting that is so high, then what is your concern about plugging yourself out for a year or two? Like, what are you really losing out on? That is a big question mark, you know, that I think a lot of people need to have. Okay? Of course, I know it may be a little bit of a sacrifice or it feels like a little bit of a sacrifice, which brings me to my third point. The third question you should ask yourself when considering leaving Singapore and staying abroad for a while is, what can you bring back? Okay, this is the third point, extremely important. What can you bring back? So I think this is the part that a lot of people don't talk about. In Singapore, a lot of people talk about, you know, what if I lose this? What if I lose that? What if I lose... <laughs> Everything is about, what if it gets worse? But what about all the upside that you can bring? All the people that you will know on your travels, all the interesting stories and ideas you will gather on your travels, all the experts that you'll meet, all the connections that you will connect. And don't forget, Singapore is a port. Singapore is a trading hub. Singapore is a tax-free zone or super low-tax environment. Why capitalists like to go to Singapore? Because we are poor, because we low-tax, because, you know, we got no capital gains tax, we got free visa, free travel, a lot of places. So why aren't you using it? If you are in Singapore, nobody cares about all these things about you because everybody has equal access to low-tax, uh, <laughs> no capital gains, you know... Uh, <laughs> Everybody has equal access. But when you're out there, you are key to this whole access, you know. If, if you didn't realize, right, if you are a Singaporean, you go out there and then you talk to all these Russian people. I mean, that's what I've been doing, right? Talking to all these Russian people around, the Turks, you know, because I'm in this part of the world and they talk to me, they're very interested because I am a citizen of one of the largest port in the world, low tax environment, no capital gains tax. And you know, I can readily start a business just with a click of a button. I scan my sync pass, I can register, we can fly. Right? So, <laughs> and I can move around very readily. They want me to go Russia, okay, let's go. I'll go Africa, okay, let's go. I don't need to apply visa, I can move. Right? So, whether you do business in the end, that's a different question. But at the core, I want to open up your mind to ask ourselves, what can we bring back? We can bring back all these experts, all these connections, all this friendship, all these resources, and leverage on what we as an individual, as a citizen of this nation, what do we have? I think that's the part that a lot of people, they don't recognize. Like you talk to your Singaporean, they, you, you have equal access to all these things, but nobody uses it. Because we don't need right in our own country, but the moment we go out, wow, we we become amazing. We become very unique. 
right? And people want to talk to us and we become valuable. And, and that is the reality that I face, okay? That's the reality that I experience. Tons of people ask me to go to Africa, you know, hey, join me in Africa, let's do something here, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, uh, it's okay, la. I, I'm, I'm very busy already with what I do. But it's about the doors, it's about the opportunity. And if you're in, let's say you are an artist, you're in a career of design, you know, you, you go to all these other places, opens up your mind, you get to connect with the local community. Or even if you are in finance, you get to come here and then, you know, go to Moscow and ask like, hey, you know, how is finance really done in this place? Or you can go to Switzerland and see what's going on. Or even go to Thailand and kind of see like, well, how, is, how is finance done here? So there are a lot of things that you can bring out of. And I will say safely that most of the people that you meet will be of a higher social class. Okay, the people that are of a quote-unquote lower social class, it's very hard for you to meet them unless you take serious initiative to hang out with them, spend time with them, and you go on a trip focused on, on that. Right? So, like it or not, I know it's a sensitive topic, talk about social class, but like it or not, it's broadly going to be beneficial for you to be out there to see what's out there in the world. Right? So, what can you bring back? Ask yourself that. Right, so I think these are three great questions to start with you know, when planning your potential leap out of Singapore, planning your trip to get out of Singapore, um, or to kind of overcome that pressure of like, you know what, if I lose out on certain things, blah, blah, blah. Because the truth is you will, like, you will lose out on certain things. But what are all the other stuff that you can come along with? Right? And I'm going to sum up today with uh, these three questions for you. Right, Number one is, will you be recreating your life elsewhere? Chances are you will. So in other words, it's actually not that expensive to live a Singaporean life in another country. Okay, No matter how expensive quote-unquote the country is, uh, it tends to not be as expensive to live a Singaporean life, like, which is like public transport, you know, cook at home, small, small place, <laughs> you know, gym, swim, go to the bar, kopitiam, you know, it's not, it's not that difficult really, okay? Number two is, what are you really losing out on? I reiterate that your probability of meeting the Singapore narrative is 95% or, you know, or even 99%, right? The Singapore government tries very hard to make sure you are part of the narrative and the system is built in such a way that you know, it, it ensures very high chances of you becoming part of the narrative and succeeding, quote-unquote, in the narrative. Right? So if your probability, your propensity is so high, then what are you really losing out on? You're not, right? you can readily come back and, and let yourself back into the system. Right? And all your 17% CPA contribution, I know this is a little bit like a uh, question mark, but yeah, to me, it's really, it's part of your pay. La. You know, it's, not, it's not employer contribution. Right? So I think that's important. And of course, recognizing that you know, these days, a lot of companies are more open. You can ask for transfer, sabbatical, you know, reduce roles and all that. Um, and yeah, you, you can actually keep your income and all that, even you know, even on, on the go, even out there living elsewhere. And point number three, question number three is, what can you bring back? Look at the upside, right? And, and of course, I'm doing a little bit of a dream building. What can you bring back? Because it's hard to measure. It's very easy to measure what you will lose. It's very hard to measure what you can potentially gain. Right, which is why growth stocks and you know, even crypto, it's, it's like a little bit of a, it requires a little bit of imagination. Right and and all that right. So what can you really bring back? Right? The experiences, the local networks that you will meet, the kind of opportunities that may open up, and at the core, you will bring back a different purview of the world. You will expand your worldview, and I think that is important, beautiful, exciting. It's gonna make your life richer. It's gonna bring up your value, 
really, in, in, in my view. Even if you, when you come back to Singapore, or even if you don't. Right? So with that, I hope you find more comfort in potentially exploring to stay out of Singapore for a while. I know if you have families, you have all that, then your concerns are even more complicated. But I'm speaking to the millennials that are listening in, you know, 35. Most of us, this is your demo, this is our demographic. And for a lot of us, if you're young, a little bit crazy, a little bit wild, want to go out there and explore the world, hey, why not? Uh, I hope these three questions help you and I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group Follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, yeah. So I think there are many ways to tackle this, right? I could I could have tell you like, oh, you know, you must plan your finances, make sure you you meet how many, how many months or all these things. Uh, you know, make sure your financial plan in Singapore is blah 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 blah. I mean like those things everybody know and you know you've heard it time and time and time and time and time again. And I think nobody really cares about that, you know, when they're thinking of trying to leave Singapore or leap out of Singapore. The concern is really the kind of loss aversion, right? People are afraid, what if I lose out? And then I, what can I really get out there, right? And and I will say, when you're young, you should go out there. I really think so, right? As as we grow older, we will be less able to move around. Physically, it's true. I, I don't know if you guys feel so. I feel so. There was a period of time I felt so insecure because I felt like I was aging. I felt like my body took longer to to heal and and all of that, right? So so I really think as we grow older, we will we will naturally stay at a place for longer. We will cement down longer. And all the things that you want to explore and do, you, you try to do it young, right? So go out there. Eventually, you will find a place to settle down. And if after you try a few locations, uh, maybe in Portugal, maybe in Thailand, Malaysia, Taiwan, maybe not Taiwan, Taiwan a bit, a bit stressed this is. Um, <laughs> whatever you write, New Zealand, Australia... Ultimately, you decide that Singapore is your place, then okay, Singapore can be your place, right? There's no one-size-fit-all and Singapore has its perks, has its amazingness, right? The, the transport system is amazing. The public pools are amazing. And uh, I do miss the library. Uh, chicken rice, all of that, and, uh, I can cook, so, so it's not, not as big of a problem. Also, yes, uh, last advice for all of you, if you're planning to travel or you're planning to live abroad, try to learn to cook some of the things that you like to eat in Singapore, okay? Or at least buy those instant stuff. It will help you uh, from time to time to rekindle memories. And uh, yeah, food is very powerful in the whole emotional nostalgia kind of way of life, okay? So 
these are some of the pointers that I think you should uh, check out. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys.